Welcome to Politics and Bros. This is the podcast where two guys who spent their careers on the inside of federal politics and government are now on the outside and only have each other to talk about how things are going. Today is Sunday, February 26, 2023, and this is episode 63. I'm your co-host Pete, and with me as always is my very special lover, friend, Powell. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. What's, What's new? Up? You know, it's been... When was the last time we recorded? Has it been a month? It's been a month, yeah. So I thought, I thought we were going to be better about this we will. In, the, we will. in the new year. Um, I, you, I you, fl- you flaked on me a couple times. Uh, yeah, so, so I, I've taken on a lot more than I can chew lately between um, this dad band that I'm in and the gig that we had this past weekend. Uh, we were practicing a lot because we were trying to play more crowd-friendly songs instead of like mm. Green Day and Nirvana. <laughs> so Green Day and Nirvana are not crowd-friendly? Um, not, not at a Catholic women's uh, fundraiser. <laughs> So yeah, we had to learn some. So, like, what's an example of uh, a crowd-friendly Catholic we, women's fundraiser song? We we closed with "Brown Eyed Girl" by oh, okay. Van Morrison, and then um, we did. We actually did as a tribute to our good friend Quinn. Uh, we did do "Suspicious Minds" and "Burn in Love" mm. by Elvis. Mm. Um, what else we did? We did "Second That Emotion" by Smokey Robinson, which was <laughs> okay. great. And uh, our bass player's wife sang that with us. She was a vocal performance major at LSU okay. and has a gorgeous voice. And then, so, um, where's that? Do I have our set list around here? Hold on. No, so no Cherry Pie by, uh, by, <laughs> by Warrant. Or um, Mr. Brownstone. Or by, Fallen Angel uh, by Poison. <laughs> yeah. None of those made the, made the set list. Those did not. We did play Blitzkrieg okay. Bob. By the Ramones. Okay. So that was nice. Okay. Um, right. And we did do Hard to Handle, but we did the Otis um, Redding version, not the Black Crows, which are basically the same thing. Yeah. A lot of, I, I had forgotten that that was a, not an original by the Black Crows, but no uh, yeah. Cover. It was Taking good. It was, take, well, but yeah, I, I have, yeah, between that and all the kids' activities, like, you know, Teddy's Cub Scouts and soccer, like, I just, this month is just, February is just a, freaking waste for me so that's that explains your fatigue it does you're you're bailing on me okay i was so i'll forgive you when we were going to record on thursday of last week i was actually asleep by 9 30 um i went after i texted you i was i was literally half asleep when i texted you and i was i think i was already in bed and more and i fell asleep at like 9 30 we could have recorded for like five minutes because i was getting home from soccer practice around eight 45, oh my God. but you know, um, I guess we need a little bit longer than that. Well, well and all the, all the glad kids you're got, here tonight. Yeah. And all the kids got sick and all that shit. So I'm sorry about that. We'll, blah, we'll, blah, we, blah. We will do better. I don't, we don't have any gigs until like, uh, May or June when the block parties all begin. So we mm. don't have a whole lot of recent practice. Well, hopefully at block parties, you can unleash a little bit with the set list. Oh yeah. Go back to green day uh, and uh, we'll bring, we'll bring back green day and Nirvana for sure. Maybe you could play a little, uh, Dre day by, uh, Dr. Dre. Um, so I don't know. That's not really a band song, but not really. We can figure. Something uh, out. Well, um, some shits happened since we uh, last last talked. I we know. just had the the year anniversary of the war on Ukraine. War oh, we did. Ukraine. War in Ukraine. Yep. Um, How do you think that's been going? <laughs> Well, we've talked about it quite a bit. Semi-serious question, but yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think, I don't know. Did we kind of predict that, like, you know, Americans don't really care about it? There's waning interest in Mm -hmm. uh, um, defending the Ukraine, Mm -hmm. especially amongst the GOP. Um, And uh, it's kind of just a war of attrition, and I think... um, I don't know. It seems like there's been a recent run to give a lot of arms and weapons to Ukraine. So I'm, I'm hoping that will make a difference in sort of uh, uh, rebutting any sort of Russian spring offensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I still think the Ukraine thinks that 
they can probably still get territory back to 2014 borders. And so I think yeah. if you if you had asked a year ago what I thought would happen versus this, you know, I think every, in, at this point a year ago, everyone probably thought, okay, the Ukraine will be overtaken by Russia in the next couple of weeks. And um, now we're here a year later where Russia barely has any new territory. Yeah. And um, the Ukraine thinks that they, and they've lost, I don't know, tens of thousands of soldiers. And the Ukraine thinks that they can maybe get back to 2014 borders. I don't know. I think overall uh, it's been, I still think it's been a, a foreign policy I don't know if you call it success, but it's 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 been something that's been well managed by the the U.S. and the West in general. So I'm curious. I'm curious to see and to ask. I, I mean, if you have an opinion on this now, you feel free to to chime in. But I want to. This wondering is all if spontaneous, folks. We were not supposed to talk about this. No, but, we're not. But um, it did occur to me just now that this whole thing, in a way, has kind of made. Um, International relations in certain respects when it comes to like organizations like the UN and even NATO kind of a shit show, not in a, not in a way, not in a bad way for us or for Ukraine, but like, I know on like the year anniversary on the floor of the UN general assembly, there was like a moment of silence for the war in Ukraine. And then Russia's, you know, ambassador to the, U, to, to the UN, like insisted on one for fallen Russian soldier soldiers and it just and now China is like okay maybe it's time Putin to stop doing this kind of thing. It just sort of like I don't know. I, it, is it reinvigorating the UN or is it turning or is it just kind of showing how having all of these countries be members of one organization that is supposed to you know um, you know create more set world, world peace world order yeah so exactly set world order it, like how does that work when you can, when you got one of the biggest, yeah. one of the members of the Security Council in Russia, basically just dicking around and you know I, whatever. I've always thought of the UN as as you know the international relations is more of a um, idealism sure uh, goal versus NATO, which is more of a realist, yeah. real politic, practical uh, exercise in yeah. in alliance building. Um, I mean, I don't think. I think the UN in, in situations like this is is certainly um, pretty feckless. But yeah. NATO, I think, has been reinvigorated, like you said. Yeah. Um, and we'll just see how long everyone's will can can main, be maintained. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I, it's it's again, we've talked about it quite a bit on this. I yeah, yeah. I think. For someone like myself, who's an you know internationalist, and um, it, it certainly, I think, is a cause for hope for things mm -hmm. in the big picture. But, um, but yeah, I mean that could change very quickly, especially when things like P Putin does things like rip up, uh, you know, arms treaties, which yeah. I think is mostly just a scare tactic. But, um, yep. uh, you never know what a cornered cornered caged and or cornered wounded animal might might do so um i just find it funny when that you know china's like they want to prevent a crisis from getting out of hand but they've got no problem like escalating over the smallest thing when it comes to taiwan with us yeah, right. and it's just like yeah, yeah no they're just they like to take the, their i shouldn't laugh but it's it's it is kind of laughable when these countries yeah. decide to like Moralize because be, be yeah be the moral high the, assume they have yeah. the moral high ground on anything ever yeah so, so that's a not a great um i guess in what, some ways the fact that the war got to a year uh is is somewhat no, noteworthy because yeah. i don't think we all thought it would have would would no. happen that long never um but uh yeah i mean it's been nice here um right i mean the weather's mm -hmm. been pretty Season unseasonably warm, mm -hmm. and we get to turn our attention to um, fun stuff like you know the GOP 
uh, people who are throwing their hats in the ring, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but before we got to that, uh, you know, one of the big stories that happened while we were away was the Chinese spy balloon mm. um, that I guess there were multiple. Was there only one or was I can't remember? We uh, shot down like four things, but I think yeah. one of them might have been like a Illinois hobby uh, <laughs> hobby groups like weather balloon or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, there was only one that China lost their shit over. And that's the one that we shot yeah. off the coast of, okay. uh, North that was the South one Carolina. that was spotted over, I think Montana, Montana. And then we watched it. allegedly spying on one of our, uh, missile sites, okay. nuclear missile sites. Uh, and we watched it, um, travel all the way over to the coast of South Carolina before, finally yep. shooting it down yeah. I think four or five days later. Um, I, 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 there's so many things that happened from that. I think interestingly, you can look at it from, you know, tactically, how did the, the Biden administration handle it? What, what the hell is China doing with balloons? Like mm -hmm. they realize this is the 21st century when we have things called satellites. Um, to like the political response to it as well, which yeah. I thought thought was pretty interesting. Um, I mean, what did, what did you make of the whole thing? It, it kind of seemed like much ado to me. It was a little bit of like, calm down, people. This isn't that big of a deal. But I don't know what did you what did you think? Oh yeah, oh no. I mean, that was my reaction too. And for like what you said was you know in the age of satellites, like and <laughs> wiretapping and you know intercepting messages and phone calls and internet traffic and whatever it's this this seems pretty far down the list of um you know sophisticated espionage um which is which also led me to think like why the why the hell did it take us so long to shoot it down i mean it, mm -hmm. it was it really that like and i get like at some point you know the thing was moving of course west to east and you know i understand that you know you don't want to shoot it down over a populated area but it was over montana for god's sakes like just shoot the damn mm -hmm. thing down and go fucking hike into the mountains and get it um so yeah i kind of <laughs> the reaction i thought was hilarious just watching politicians you know go nuts about a chinese balloon and obviously a lot of it was for political theater but sure um i think uh yeah yeah like you said I mean, we we spy on i forget how many there's how many thousands of satellites there are in space at this point yeah. that you know for various reasons but you know, certainly at the top of the list to watch one another, um, mm -hmm. that this was silly. And then of course, like, you know, you think about this scenario and you kind of want to, you, you know, you imagine like, you know, when you walk out of like party city and you lose a balloon and you're like, Oh my balloon. <laughs> no, this thing was like thousands upon thousands of feet in the air and yeah. not exactly like visible to the naked eye. If you're just casually looking up at the sky, um, it wasn't like this massive balloon that was like hovering, you know, a thousand feet above us. But, um, but yeah, I just thought it was, I thought it was hysteria at its finest. And then the political, you know, bullshit that followed was predictable. It Yeah. I mean, just thinking about it from the point of like, okay. So first, their first thing is like, Okay, so that tells you a lot about China, the fact that they feel like a balloon would be a good <laughs> use of um, uh, a good way to spy on the yep. U.S. Like I, and people kind of went over the, the why you would do it. It's cheap, right? It can, also, it can often uh, fly below radar. Um, uh, it can be, you know, it can maybe hover and get, better uh better longer pictures of certain places mm -hmm. right so and and so i think what happened with this one from what i what they uh what they're guessing it's not been released is china lost its ability to control it and so then it just started floating across across the u.s now there's some people who think that you know, it could have been a provocation by China just to see how we responded. But I think that's a pretty far-fetched theory. Yeah. Um, uh, so we have to think China. Okay. China's using balloons to spy on us. Sure. Okay. 
I think we probably have some program where we do that in places in in the world. Oh, no doubt. I mean, the 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 big thing is is like every, we we all spy on each other, and we all know we spy on each other. Yeah. Uh, especially with um with imagery, it's the it's the idea of you know when it gets becomes public, then there's a political price to it as well. Um, and so, uh, it, 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 to me, as soon as we saw it, I mean, they said that the, the debris radius could be like, like seven miles round for where the debris could fall. And that's why they waited. Okay. So that's fine. I, I guess my question would be, was the balloon still transmitting back to like, was China still receiving the imagery as it was mm-hmm. going across the U S um, I mean, I don't know, maybe it wasn't even valuable at that point because it was just kind of floating across uncontrolled, but if right. they were like, I guess you could do the risk calculus of like, okay, what imagery are they going to get on this path? If it's transmitting back to China, is it worth blowing it up and risking, yeah. uh, is, is what they're going to see on that? Was it traverses across the U S worth blowing it up? Um, and I guess they probably have pretty good ways of knowing that it wasn't really going to be going over much at that point. Um, and so, I, but yeah, just to real quick, to quickly talk about like the political reaction, it was like, you know, it, it was just such a, as you said, political theater thing where it was yeah. like, they, the, the, oh my God, this is the, this is just another sign of the Biden administration weakness. They can't even shoot a balloon out of the sky. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, of course, three days later they shoot it out of the sky and they say, you know, it was just, it was to me, it was, it, we, we should all be saying China in unison, China, this is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this better not happen again. But instead, our political uh, parties decided to make it a spat to try to win political points. And it just makes us look weak um, yeah. when China does something as, with as such, a, such a provocation and we can't even agree like, on how we responded. Yeah. I don't know. Instead of it being like an FU to China, it's like, right. you know, yeah, we're focusing like on when we shot it down. It should have been like a, yeah, this is a great moment. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you don't come and spy I, on our home territory. I mean, I and, get it. Like, I mean, I can, I can, I can see the point though, where you want a faster reaction out of the white house so that you can all be on that, you know, FU China or FU enemy. Um, so I kind of, I mean, I kind of agree with some of the the political fallout that Biden got, you know, real or or, or you know imagined or whatever. But um, because but then it, it turns did, out like three balloons that came over while Trump was president too, and like there was yeah, no suppose yeah, out, supposedly there was no real outrage about that his failure there. So yeah, you know, um, uh, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where like. I think it's probably something that just we should recognize administrations aren't perfect. And like, that was something that, Oh, yeah. maybe we should update kind of our scanning system so that we can catch these things quicker. Yeah. Just as a U.S. as a U.S. nation, not necessarily as a Democrat administration versus a Republican administration. Um, and so again, it was, it, to me, it was petty politics that I hate, um, uh, and it it took this silly incident, and we can't even have like a silly incident without turning it into some sort of political theater and petty politics. So yeah. it was just you know, um, you know, disappointing. As I hear you. I hear you. Uh, you know, like people are saying, well. China's definitely going to invade Taiwan now because look at how Biden responded to a balloon floating over his, um, and I'm just like, just, that's the, up. that's the kind of shit that I just, I can't stand. Cause that's not how it works in the least bit. 
I mean, these countries, you know, sophisticated countries that have sophisticated military and military strategy, they don't base their, you know, their moves on something like that. Right. There's a little bit more that goes into it. I promise you. As if it's some barometer of, of, uh, you know, willingness to. It took him three days to shoot down a balloon. Fucking launch. Fucking launch. Right. Right. Yeah. um, but it's all it. about, it's all about outrage, right? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, someone's going to lead well, to the end of, oh, well. Oh, no, go ahead. What are you going to say? No, 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 no. I'm just going to change the topic. But that, no, but that leads to, because the presidential uh, election season began, I don't know if it's early anymore, but has, has begun. Yes. We have announced, has. besides Trump, we have announced candidates or candidate and i want to get to that but i was going to can i real quickly yes go back to a create bring back a segment from previous episodes before we get to um talking about presidential uh hopefuls the marjorie taylor green crazy of the week Dun, dun, dun. Ooh. We need some music. We need yeah. some music there, but um, I'll put can you guess in. what I'm? Can you guess what I'm going to say? Is it from the State of the Union? No, although oh. that happened since we were. Yeah, that happens. Uh, we, we, we could. We probably could have done an episode about the State of the Union. We could have. Uh, um, uh, but no, but no, what are you? What are you talking about? Week. I haven't been paying attention lately. So, I believe it was this week. It might have been last week, but she said. We need a, a national divorce. Oh yeah, and, and uh, the blue states <laughs> should secede from the red states. I did see this. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, someone pointed out that she's like, a fucking idiot. She complains that that like Joe Biden is destroying the United States or whatever, and and they're like, when you say you want to secede, you're literally destroying the United States. Like that, you are that that is your agenda is to destroy the United States, to break it apart. Yeah. Like Joe Biden wants to be president for all 50 States. You don't want to rep, you don't want to be in the, in Congress and represent, you know, and, and work with all 50 States. So, um, but that kind of, that kind of outrage filters into from the spy balloon filters into comments like um, she makes that are ridiculous like that. And um, it, yeah. it, it's, yeah. it certainly does. It certainly is a declaration of the death of ideas. Cause you know, for years, especially, you know, I, I mean for years up until the last probably 10, um, it was always a battle of ideas. We could win people over with our, mm-hmm. yes, our right. thoughts, our ideas, good or bad or indifferent, whatever. And clearly, um, Marjorie Taylor Greene has lost that for her. She doesn't have ideas. So what's left to do but just to, you know, spew nonsense and talking and talk about having states be segregated from, you know, uh, as red and blue and that's it. And they, mm-hmm. you stay there, we'll stay here. So, I mean, it, and instead of her putting forward some, you know, I don't know, an economic development or economic expansion or a prosperity package of some kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, of of aspirational policies that is a mix of whatever tax cuts, but with, you know, uh, you know, grants for conservative ideas, conservative ideas, stuff that, you know, think tanks have been doing for years uh, and quite frankly, aren't doing enough of these days. Um, She resorts to this kind of BS and, you know, yeah, I thank God. I know Mitt Romney made a bunch of comments that she's crazy and stupid, and this is not what this is not the type of thing that we need to be saying, especially going into a presidential yeah. uh, cycle where we will have um, plenty of candidates that want to unite and not just put you know play this you know you know this team mentality like you, you're on my team yeah. and you know, to- you've got your team kind of thing. Totally, and I, I want to get into the, the presidential hopefuls, but I, I think you make a great point is that uh, America is built on the idea of of let's talk and debate and negotiate, and the best ideas will win out. Well, Marjorie Taylor Greene doesn't have ideas. She no. just says, if you are a Democrat, nothing you say 
is valid and can be incorporated. So why don't we just break off from you and you can do your own thing mm-hmm. and we'll do our own thing. It's not about um, challenging and winning and letting the best ideas win out. It's about just my my team versus your team, like you said. And I am hopeful that uh, some of these presidential hopefuls – I just used hopeful twice in three words. I'm hopeful that uh, – we will get we will get back to that a little bit um, in this cycle, like you said. Well, it's certainly it's certainly disheartening because it sort of plays into um, a lot of what we've seen, where people just insulate themselves from people who from other people who have differing philosophy or differing mm-hmm. ideology. And I was watching Bill Maher a few weeks ago, and I actually wrote down this quote. Andrew Sullivan was on the on the show. Um, who's no longer, he's not with the Atlantic anymore. He's got his own sub stack now, but Andrew Sullivan is, is awesome. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I don't always agree with him, but I think generally speaking, he's, oh, he's very, very good. And he said this, I actually wrote it down word for word. Um, politics is not about affirming truth. It's about finding compromise between differing opinions. That means people need to get used to the fact that a person's core feelings are going to be offended or violated. And Nobody freaking thinks that way anymore. It's yeah. all about offended or violated, whether it's Marjorie Taylor Greene being offended or violated or some, you know, progressive liberal is being, you know, offended or violated. Um, and everyone needs their safe space. Yeah. And I'm sorry, safe spaces are bullshit. They should not exist. They don't exist and they can't in the real world. And, you know, that's why when you always see these anecdotal stories of, you know, corporate America playing to the woke, you know, the quote unquote woke mob, and it's not a sustainable thing. It, it just, it can't. Um, so I'm, I'm, I think 2023 could actually be like the, the year where the line is drawn on some of this, on some of the sort of things, I hope at least, especially I hope for in politics at the very least, where people like Marge Taylor Green, who, who kind of lay down these, you know, what she thinks is a bold, you know, statement, but really is just asinine and, you know, petty. Um, but they get challenged somehow, some way. So I'm hoping this crop of, at least on the Republican side, because uh, we're not, we won't see this in the Democratic side since they're the incumbents, but I, I'm hoping we'll see some differing um, ideas and how that is received kind of scares me, but I will be optimistic. Well, so, let's talk about, Um, who has thrown their name in the ring. So obviously Donald uh, J. Trump, 46th president, Donald, was he 46th? 46th president? 5th. 45th. He was 45th. 44. Yeah. Biden's 46th. 45th president and maybe 47th president, Donald Mm -hmm. J. Trump, uh, is thrown his ring in the, thrown his hat in the ring. Yet I don't think he's really done much since he did that. Um, the only other person to formally announce has been Nikki Haley, Nikki. who at one point said if Donald Trump was going to run, she would not run herself, but has now decided to run. Um, I have some opinions about Nikki Haley, uh, mostly related. Late on me. Late on mostly, me. Mostly how to, you know, just disappointing uh, she has been in her defense of kind of some of the things Trump has said or done. Um, and, um, but in general, I think she is someone who has, you know, pretty reasonable policy proposals and probably mm-hmm. would be more of a traditional conservative Republican. So since you are a more traditional conservative Republican, not a modern day Republican, mm-hmm. um, I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on, her candidacy and and the viability of it, um, and and what you think it might mean for for like other people throwing throwing their hat in the ring. I don't know if it's. I think it's way too early to tell if it's a viable candidacy. I think anybody's is, especially when you're announcing this early on. Um, <clears throat> I think she's. I think I like her. I I think she's great. I think she was a very good, she was a very good governor. I think the problem when of the governor of South Carolina, I think the problem is she was governor so long ago at this point that that record is going to be a little bit harder to 
translate or at least to uh, communicate to um, the masses, but she doesn't have to worry about that right now because it's so early. I mean, she's one of two that have announced and there's no debates anytime soon. She's young. She's a minority, even though Democrats and a lot of uh, academic liberals are giving her shit for that because they say she's, you know, whatever she, they basically, she's been called an uncle Tom for Indian people. Um, multiple times, uh, mostly on Twitter, but still, um, a few talking heads on like MSNBC and some cable talk shows have, have, have furthered that. Um, but, um, I like that. She, I mean, she's, you know, relatively young. She's 51. Um, apparently Don Lemon at CNN thinks that she's out of her prime already because she's a woman <laughs> and she's over 50. Um, but that's a whole another bag of issues that we don't need to get into. Um, I, th- I don't know. I think depending on who else gets in, though, she she could get lost in the crowd. Um, she does have the benefit of being a, go- of a former governor, um, albeit a while ago at this point. Um, if Tim Scott gets in, who's also from South Carolina and also a minority, um, that might dilute a little bit of her message because they both have really good stories, backgrounds coming from modest means for rising up to high levels of, of, you know, government and power. Um, but I think overall, I think she's a good thing. I don't, I think she has overplayed the whole, um, competency test thing. You know, she said she was talking about anybody who runs for office over the age of 70 or 75 or whatever should take, have to take a competency test. That's just, that's just pandering to the base that, you know, we all know that uncle Joe is, not 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 the yeah. sharpest knife anymore. I'm not um, sure Donald Trump could pass a competency. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and it, who knows? Maybe she's trying to take a shot at Trump as well. Um, but you know, to to regular people, she everybody thinks that she's it's aimed at Joe Biden. But so I think that's a little. Yeah, I mean, okay, it's a shtick. Whatever. We'll see. You know, I just think it opens her up to more criticism than she probably really needs to have at this point. I think she just needs to. At this point, you should just be running a totally positive campaign, telling your story, introducing yourself to people, um, you know, not just trying to be a firebrand. But It's yeah. interesting that Trump hasn't really attacked her. You know, he's he's attacking. He, well, he, uh, he has like on true social, like he has said stuff. Oh, he has? Yeah. Oh, like what has he said? Uh, I mean, similar to like Ron I know DeSantis, you follow like, him on Truth he's, Social. So I, I'm not he's... on Truth Social. This is just from media <laughs> reports. Thank you very much. I only have a Twitter I have account. not seen him like attack her or like call give her a nickname or anything like that. Uh, I think he I mean like you said I think he's more worried about Ron DeSantis than yeah. her, but he has made like he has made like disparaging comments about her on on social media. Um, like he's has he called her like who has a terrible governor type thing or whatever. stuff like that. Yeah. Very oh, yeah. stuff that he, he doesn't back up why he's saying it, but he can still get away with it because right. it's vague it's a vague enough, you know, insult. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I just cure. I mean, I don't know. I, like, I just feel like Nikki Haley is a great candidate for like 2008 or 2012, even like she's, I just feel uh, like it's a valid, valid comment. Republican sure. party has, has, I don't know if you say it progressed or um, just morphed. And I, I feel like she might only represent, I feel like there's, you know, a certain segment of the Republican party that are always Trumpers and will, mm-hmm. will vote, you know, what is that? 25, 30%. Um, and then there's the rest who she probably appeals to, but, um, you know, if she were to win the nomination, he hasn't said he wouldn't run as a third party. And so, you know, yeah. what does that do, do for things? Um, I mean, I think if Nikki Haley were president, she would probably do a fine job. Um, and um, and if it was and if someone told me that Nikki Haley can be president and Donald Trump will never run for office again, I might even be willing to take that deal. Yeah. Um, you know, um, if you get Nikki Haley versus Joe Biden, it's going to be a very boring. Uh, traditional yeah. uh, um, race, but uh, I, I don't see she, if she gets there. Um, but 
I don't know. I mean, do you think, do you think her putting her name in was some sort of, you know, just to be the first in just to be, you know, put that marker in the sand, like kind of, if there was anyone else kind of positioning themselves like with, like her, you know, like kind of make sure that they don't get in as a result. I mean, like what's, I, I don't know. I think she, I, yeah. I think she had the luxury of getting in this early. I mean, cause she would get lost in, I think she would get lost in the crowd. She waited after, you know, DeSantis finally declares and, you know, DeSantis has the benefit of being a sitting governor. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's what I was saying. Like Nikki is not, she's not a sitting anything right now. So mm-hmm. um, I think from a timing aspect, this was really good. She's gotten a lot of press out of this and gotten a lot of airtime, you know, free airtime out of this. Um, because I think if she had waited and DeSantis got in or Larry Hogan got in or, you know, whoever else gets in who, you know, was a more recent governor or a sitting governor or a sitting politician, she, I think she, I think, I mean, I think your instinct's right. I don't think she gets the nomination. I just, um, I don't know what, I think there's going to be, put it, put it on the record people. Yeah, I just don't I just don't think she will, because I think she's been gone. Like you said, there's always it's always trying to figure out when that lightning in the bottle is. And her time was probably, like you said, four, eight, you know, 12 years ago. Who knows? Yeah. Um, Not because she's out of her prime. I'm not fucking Don Lemon. No, no, Um, but just where the electorate is. Yeah. The political reality of it all of where we're at. I mean, I I think it's hard to hard to imagine right now it's hard to imagine anybody but ron DeSantis being the republican nomination for president so and, that's what you i was going to ask you who else do you think gets in and who else do you think is the front runner i think i think uh i think if DeSantis gets in he's he's the front runner because he is he is an intellectual less actually i shouldn't say less he's an intellectual version of trump but with the ability of actually, and when I say intellectual, with the ability of actually defending on his own why he thinks the way he thinks, or right. he's able to describe he's, public policy. He's, he's actually capable of He's actually stuff. a smart fucking guy. I mean, he is. Right. He is a smart man, despite what you think of his policies. He is a, a very brilliant person. Um, so I think he is, even though he's not in the race, he's already number one even though he's mm-hmm. not declared. I think if Tim Scott gets in, I think it's a really good thing. It's, you know, junior senator from South Carolina, African-American from North Charleston, um, grew up with, you know, single mother uh, in poverty. Um, and he's a hell of a nice guy and very smart. He wants to do, he's done good things in the Senate and knows how to work with people who don't think like him. Um it's going to be horrible to watch others try and tear him down because he is a black Republican. Um, the same way that they've been trying to do Nikki Haley as a, you know, Indian, Indian Republican. Um, I think Larry Hogan could still get in. I think a lot of that uh, depends on just, you know, him knowing that he probably won't get the nomination. But could he elevate the debate? Because a lot of these guys just get in because they want to elevate the debate. They want to try and mm-hmm. change the tide. They want to change the direction of the party. Um, Democrat and Republicans do that all the time. And I think Larry Hogan wants to do that. I think he wants to change the direction of away from MAGA to more traditional. Um, I, think I feel like if... Uh, I, I, I feel like if, I don't know, more than five or six people get in they're just asking for a 2016 repeat you know where and especially now you know 30 percent of republicans are going to vote for trump in a primary no matter what so you got got five other people splitting 70 percent you may be giving him a plurality just by doing that so if you know if it's nikki haley and ron desantis then maybe it maybe it you know, I don't know, maybe that, that is something, but if you get more than that, I think, I think you could be asking for a repeat, but that's, I mean, I think, yeah, I think you could I mean, I think it will be 10, I think initially, 
I don't know if that many people make it the debate stage. I don't know if like if Ted Cruz is really going to try and run again. I don't know if Mike Pence thinks he really has oh, a yeah, shot. I forgot about him. I don't know if um, you know. There's does Liz Cheney really try and jump in? What would that do? You know, is Chris Christie going to try and go for it again? Um, Glenn Youngkin, the governor of Virginia, is he serious? I mean, he can't run for another term because you're not allowed to have, you're not allowed to have consecutive terms in Virginia. So he is he's pretty open. Um, Governor Sununu from New Hampshire. I mean, there's a lot of traditional Republicans, um, even some that would be considered outsiders like Glenn Youngkin. I think it will be a crowded primary, but I'm not, I don't know if I'm so sure about that 30% of people voting for Trump. I don't know if that exists anymore. I think the stench of loser from the last cycle, for sure, it sticks directly on him. And I think a lot of people recognize that. I think people will, I think in polls, people will say, because they, they do generally, you know, genuinely think that Trump was a good president or, you know, spoke to them somehow um, or represented what they think in, in, in some way. And maybe they do that as a tribute. I don't, I don't think they show up. I don't think that 30% shows up for him in 2024. Um, I think it's gonna be significantly less than that, but I could be wrong. I mean, I know that there's been polling done amongst um, Repub- self-identified Republicans where mm-hmm. Um, they, there, there's, you know, a significant portion of those people have said they will vote for Trump and only Trump. Um, and, and so, you know, I don't even think they care about, those people don't even care about winning as much as like you know, Trump as this fighter for them and sure. standing, standing up to the, they're deluded essentially that they think that he cares about them and he's fighting for them and he's changing things when in reality he's doing the opposite of all that, but they exist, unfortunately. And, um, they are a voting block within the GOP electorate. And so they have to be, I think you have to strategically plan for them. Um, sure. Yeah. And yeah. And so I don't know. I agree with that. Um, I I'd totally forgotten about Pence and Cheney and Youngkin and, um, yeah. I mean like even like Asa Hogan Hutchinson and Christie is another one that's out there. Who's he's a, he was, a, he was a governor of Arkansas yep. before, yep. um, up until this past year. Um, shit. Even like Mike, Mike Pompeo has said he's considered. Oh yeah. Like, him too. On. Turd. Like, I mean, there's a lot of people here. Um, I think I think there's like, there's at least 15 or 16 who have said that they're interested. I think of that, maybe 10 declare. And I think once we get to debate time, you'll have like six. Um, And usually, so we'll say, usually like people don't start kind of really launching their campaigns until maybe like, summer summer even later yeah right summers i and think then, summer is right right around the right time and then the debates are usually at the beginning of the the year of the election year before they start primary season well the fall is when all the debates are going to happen oh like so there will be fall. some this this yeah fall. i think so i think that's the plan okay. um although it is interesting too because i know that um the rnc they're either they they are passing or they have passed Basically, they're going to say you have to sign a pledge in order to get on that you will support whoever the nominee ends up being in order to get on the debate stage. Which, and there's no there's no enforcement to that. Well, no, but I mean, it like is Trump kind of can sign it. It is kind of a shot at Trump, though. Like you need to because oh, yeah. he, he's talked about a third party run if he doesn't get the nomination. Right. Right. Um, so it's, you know, yeah. Is it enforceable? Yeah. Probably not. But it is no. interesting that that. Rona McDaniel would would and be out there. Public. We know Trump has no scruples about saying yeah. one thing and doing another. So correct. Um, yeah. He'd just be like, "I didn't sign it," and, <laughs> and then and then thirty. This is your of, signature. Yes. No, it's not. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Well, something to one of the things we can watch um, mm-hmm. this year. So uh, I don't know who will be next. I haven't heard any rumblings, but. I'm looking forward to whoever it might be. Yeah. 
awesome. All right. Well, um, anything else you want to discuss or do you want to tell me if you're into anything? No. Uh, the only thing I did want to bring up though is I encourage, yes. I encourage everybody, everybody to go on YouTube and watch the four person of the Tr- Georgia Trump oh, yes. grand jury, their interview on CNN. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I'm, it's, it's awesome. Everybody and watch it. In a tra- train wreck. In a train wreck, cringy, what the fuck is going on here kind of way. It's awesome. Um, all, this all this young say- woman is yeah. clearly out of her depth. She is like giddy in these interviews of who, what she's been doing and just watch. I'll leave it at that. I, I still need to do that. I did. When you mentioned it to me, I did read about it. Um, and it certainly sounds like it's from an optics point of view. It's, it's, it's not a great look. All I would say to that is, you know, the people that she's talking about are not the type of people who would accept, um, would not be calling the the grand jury bias uh, in any cert in they would be calling it biased in pretty much any circumstance anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not like what she's doing uh, is changing um, uh, any of the perception they would be be trying to push about it. But um, I I certainly understand the cr- critique of letting this this uh, to this her credit to her credit though she does I, I will give her this she does take. Well, she, I don't know if she has since then, because I haven't, I didn't, I wasn't paying attention to the last couple, couple days, but she did take great pains to not violate any of the judge's orders mm-hmm. on their, the confidentiality or what they could or could not talk about. She really, she did. Um, but that didn't stop her from <laughs> just, just watch. She it. strong, it's... strongly intimated, <laughs> like yeah, the big yeah. name. Yes. Like, yeah. Like you, I don't know. I, I feel like that's, if that's not the letter of the law, it's the spirit of the law yeah. or the spirit of the ruling. But yeah. anyway, we'll let our listeners judge for themselves. So, um, what are you into? I'm into the Alec Murdoch case. Oh, okay. That's what I'm into. Uh, so Netflix just has their, another just, South Carolina reference. Yeah. They just put out South the, uh, so for those who don't know, Alec Murdoch, he is a attorney, well, not disbarred attorney from South Carolina, from Hampton, South Carolina, which is down the low country about, uh, I don't know, 50 miles from Charleston inland a little bit. And, um, and, um, he allegedly murdered his younger, his younger son and wife, um, his younger son, Paul, who was a train wreck of a human being, um, just a drunk, abusive, you know, entitled. And this family goes back a hundred years in, in Hampton, South Carolina. They were solicitors and which is the process, you know, the prosecutor for the County and very powerful attorneys where they were in with South Carolina law enforcement. They're allegedly this family has like made people disappear. It's, it's amazing. So um, there's a Netflix documentary that came out, crime documentary about kind of the origin of all this. Um, it just came out a week or so ago, and I'm two or three episodes. I think I'm two episodes into it, just to kind of give you the background on uh, Paul Murdoch, who is the um, the younger son who was killed um, by his dad, and uh, allegedly, and um, how just of a much of a dirtbag this kid was. Um, but so he uh, deserved it. I will not go that far. <laughs> I don't think you deserve to be shot in the face with a shotgun. Uh, Is that no what matter what you do. Yeah, that's what happened basically. Well, so they yeah. found this guy dead or what? So like, they uh, found, so randomly one day, Alec Murdoch went to their hunting cabin and found his wife shot to death with an AR 15 style rifle. And then okay. several feet away found his son shot to death with a shotgun. Um, found them and it's unclear the motive to I, I maybe i missed it but the motive is unclear but he um but uh it all came out that he you know he said he's been addicted to uh opioids for years he takes 2000 milligrams a day 
Um, he went to rehab and then it came out that he was embezzling money from his family's law firm where they had multiple partners and he ended up getting kicked out of the law firm um, and then ultimately got disbarred so that he, he pocketed. Um, so their, um, their housekeeper died mysteriously. She fell and had, you know, a blunt force to her head. And it was, they said that she fell down some stairs, but there's a, now there's a lot of question that the case has been reopened that that wasn't what happened. So he Netflix up, has a has a series about this. Yes. Oh, okay. And then, uh, but uh, he pocketed the 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 housekeeper's life insurance policy. It didn't go to her kids. It was like four or five million dollars. He like just kept it. <laughs> that's it's quite a life insurance policy for a yeah, housekeeper. Seriously. So uh, yeah. So follow this. He just took the stand in his own defense this past week, and I've been watching a little bit, little snippets of it. And this guy is doing some fucking jujitsu mental jujitsu to get, get through these questions it's really it's it's awesome anyway how about you uh i have been into a couple things one of the things i'll say for the next time we we chat but it's uh related to ai and chat gpt um which i mentioned last time yep. but this time um i've been watching the last of us on hbo nice um and I've only seen the first may, episode so far. Who may not know it's uh based on a video game actually and it's about a post sort of apocalyptic uh America where a fungus has turned most of the people into a zombies essentially and Pablo Pascal who was the Mandalorian as well as I believe he was in Game of Thrones. Was he in Game of Thrones? Did you watch Game of Thrones? Uh, I know, I knew him from Narcos. Oh, okay. that's when I, that was my first exposure he's, to him. He's entrusted with carrying this young girl to um, safety because she may be the anecdote for the virus or the fungus, whatever it is. Um, and it's really beautiful, beautifully shot, um, kind of interesting. I, I love you know, kind of post-apocalyptic uh, stuff. And the, and the relationship between him and the, the young girl, uh, the first episode, you obviously, for those, spoiler alert, um, Pete, you saw, you saw the first episode. So I did. You see, you, you see him lose his daughter yep. at, when the outbreak occurs. So this girl is kind of his surrogate. He treats her. He comes to realize that he's treating her as like his surrogate daughter, and um, it's it's touching and and both action packed and suspenseful. So, um, in fact, when we get done here, I'm going to go finish tonight's episode. So, oh, good for you. Um, so let's wrap this shit up. Let's do that. <laughs> and then, well, on that note, follow us on Twitter at Bros Politics. Uh, get us wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, uh, Amazon, and Spotify. There you go. Until then. We're going to the casino. Seriously, uh, we got to go to the casino. <laughs> All right, brother. All right. Good night.